back to InfoTrack. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Some call it workplace misconduct. Others, harassment or bullying. What's the best way to deal with it without fear of retribution? With the story, here's InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. Despite the Me Too movement and multiple celebrity men losing their powerful jobs, workplace harassment is far from finished. Many victims remain fearful of reporting harassment. But noted author and expert Lauren Stiller Reclean is out with a new book, The Shield of Silence, How Power Perpetuates a Culture of Harassment and Bullying in the Workplace. It contains strategies for positive changes, and Ms. Reclean joins us now. First off, this is not just a women's issue, is it? Men, too, can be sexually harassed or bullied because of their sexual orientation, race, or other reasons, true? Absolutely. It's so important that you raise that question because it is absolutely endemic in the workplace and nobody is really safe from harassment or bullying or jokes that are painful or hurtful. So what I feel that's really critical is that we look at the range of workplace behaviors that cause harm as well as think as inclusively as possible about the people who can be harmed by these behaviors. And let's pick up on that because you do say that companies should build a more inclusive, respectful environment. Now, of course, we can't cover the whole book here, but give us about two or three tactics that they should carry out. Part of the focus here is looking at what causes the silence, for example. People are afraid of retaliation. They're afraid of being ostracized in the workplace. So they're looking to leaders to lead and to create a culture where people are not afraid to come forward and where bystanders even who witness negative behaviors won't be afraid to stand up or help others as well. But to do that requires thinking about culture in the big picture sense of the word. It means thinking not about a legal definition of harassment, but thinking about how we treat one another respectfully and with kindness and with consideration. From a leadership perspective, it means being engaged in what's happening in the workplace. It means being willing to hold people accountable, to set metrics for first chances, second chances, keeping track of how people are doing. It means making changes with respect to training, broadening the kind of training that is done, perhaps curbing alcohol use in the workplace at social events where so many negative behaviors often arise. There's a whole range of types of accountability behaviors and reporting behaviors that need to change. So that's really what the book focuses on, which are what strategies can be employed both by employers and by employees to be able to change culture for good and for the long term. Like many situations in life, people will make changes if there's something in it for them. So what's in it for employers to make changes? I think everything, there's so much data out there that tells you that if your employees are engaged, you have a better result. There is data that ties diversity to more profitability, that ties engagement and happiness of employees to greater profitability and better output. 
So the real question is, if you are a heads-up leader, why on earth are you not more involved in ensuring that people are not afraid to come to work and they're not afraid to be themselves? Because at the end of the day, you're going to have such a better result in the workplace by being a workplace where people are comfortable bringing their whole selves to work and diving into work without being fearful of what's happening around them. We're visiting with Lauren Stiller-Ricklein, author of The Shield of Silence, How Power Perpetuates a Culture of Harassment and Bullying in the Workplace. You started to talk about training. Let me take two training ideas one at a time. Explain what you call unconscious bias training. All of us, every single one of us, are creatures of how we were raised, the influences in our life, our religion, our economic background, our race, ethnicity. And that creates ourselves, our whole selves, but it also brings with it our unconscious thoughts, which means our brain gets to a certain place long before we catch up to it. And that brings into play unconscious biases. We think we are fair, we think we are accepting of others, but in reality, we all carry stereotypes and sets of beliefs that we have to know and understand within ourselves in order to fight against it. What unconscious biases his training does is it opens people's minds to decades of fascinating research that exists on the topic of unconscious bias and neuroscience and shows how our brains work in unconscious mode and allows us to better understand our own biases and then we can create structures in the workplace that can help to guard against the biases and we can create behaviors in ourselves to ward off the biases that we hold. If a victim of illegal workplace behavior does not believe he or she will get a fair shake by reporting it internally, should the victim bypass that step and seek relief with the state or federal agencies such as the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission if they can? Absolutely. Victims have to figure out the strategy that can work best for them and that feels most safe. A workplace that's trying to prevent these behaviors will have in place multiple vehicles for reporting. So if somebody doesn't feel comfortable, for example, with a particular HR person or some supervisor in their line of authority to whom they might be told to report on paper, then there should be alternatives, perhaps a hotline, perhaps some other confidential way or a confidant in the workplace. But when all these other efforts fail, then hopefully the law is there to protect them and government agencies exist to be able to help and support them along the way. And on that point, your research produced some surprises and one was you thought the courts should be more even-handed than what you observed? There is unfortunately a lot of support for that in that courts are reluctant to hold employers accountable. They tend to dismiss these cases. There's often a higher bar that seems to exist for victims coming forward. There's a whole body of research around discounting the credibility of victims. I think that ties a lot into the unconscious bias conversation we just had, how victims come forward and people have their own stereotypes about why 
they didn't do this or do that. And they are discounted. Their stories are discounted by those who should be there to have a more even-handed approach in listening to them and helping them. So the result, however, is that there are far too many court decisions in which these cases are dismissed very early on. So we need to change that paradigm in the court system and have judges more open and able to really hear victims and allow these cases to proceed. Lauren Stiller-Reclean, noted author and expert on fighting harassment and other negative workplace issues. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks.